0: It's almost like fear is sadness in fast-forward. It sort of just like speeds up the sadness into this frenzy, this, this shaking. But if you slow down and sit with it, beneath that, it really is sadness. Getting Discomfortable With Fear I'm currently recording this episode from a bedroom in an Airbnb in Mexico. So if you hear birds or random wind sounds or people laughing or babies crying, I apologize. I just finished a week of volunteering with a charity called All Hands and Hearts. They are a disaster response charity that goes to places that have experienced earthquakes or tsunamis or hurricanes, and they help people rebuild schools or gut houses, things like that. I was basically working as an unskilled manual laborer, which is not something that I've ever done before. It was grueling but satisfying work. I learned how to tie rebar, I learned how to pour concrete, I learned how to use some kind of electronical saw, like a buzz saw. I learned how to do all kinds of processes involved in building a concrete school. I was in a small town in rural Oaxaca, and we were rebuilding an elementary school that had been damaged in a major earthquake in 2007. Volunteering for All Hands and Hearts was a great experience. I wish I had have stayed longer, in fact. This program drew me to come because I love Mexico. I love working on learning some Spanish. And I felt like it would be a good way to give back to this community that I really adore. So All Hands and Hearts seemed like a perfect combination of all the things I wanted to do. And if you're interested in learning more about them, I'll put a link in the show description. But I don't necessarily want to talk about the volunteering itself, though I think volunteering is great. I want to do more of it, and I encourage you to do it as well. But what was most interesting about it was how scared I was leading up to it. And it got me thinking a lot about fear. To me, shame is a form of fear, essentially. I don't think that they are completely interchangeable, though. I think we have this innate, basic, primal instinct of flight, a fear reaction whenever we feel like our life might be in danger. But shame is the social component of fear. It's the fears related to social ostracization. Which, you know, back in hunter-gatherer times, really was a matter of life and death. And given that we are social animals, shame is a particularly powerful, potent, and important brand of fear. Because it connects with all of our most important relationships, all of our loves, all of our families, friends, and so on. And what makes shame a really interesting brand of fear is is that you don't want to talk about shame because talking is social. By admitting that we feel shame, it brings up all this shame because we feel that if we experience shame, it's for a reason. So to admit to shame seems to imply that we are admitting to having done something wrong or admitting to some kind of deep inner defect, etc., Whereas talking just about basic survival fear, though somewhat taboo if you're trying to be like the strong man type, is, is not quite as scary as talking to people about shame. Yeah, there was a snake on the beach the other day, this is true, and I was scared of it. That's not as hard to admit as when I screamed like a little kid on the beach because of the snake, I was worried that all of you judged me and didn't want to be my friend anymore. That's the difference between shame-fear and fear-fear. There were a couple types of fear going on when I think back to the lead-up to this week of volunteering. It was something I had never done before, and... It's in a very rural part of Oaxaca, which is not the safest state in Mexico, and all of the guides that the volunteering company sent to me were, like, talking about all these roadblocks and never go out at night and travel in pairs, which I definitely wasn't. It made it sound like I was going into an extremely dangerous place to do something I had never done before, i.e. construction. I was afraid, literally, for my life, but I also had the shame fears of, I won't know what I'm doing, I'll make a fool of myself, I'll let everybody down. I think any time we do something we've never done before, we are liable to get hit with the fear of the unknown. We just don't know what to expect. We don't know what hidden dangers there might be. We don't know whether we'll be safe. But also, on the shame-fear side, we don't know whether we will look good. We, we don't know whether we will feel proud of ourselves or feel competent or feel respected. I did a bunch of researching looking for volunteering opportunities in Mexico and I discovered all hands and hearts and it seemed like a perfect fit because they don't ask you to pay them any money, which a lot of charities do. They just ask you to come down and they put you to work in a simple but tough and physical way. It's one of the few charities that will take people with no expertise and just put them to work. But even though it seemed so perfect... I really hummed and hawed about it. I was like, oh, but there's other opportunities. There's I could go do that 10-day meditation retreat in Calgary in the dead of winter, or I could uh, stay here in Vancouver and mooch off of my parents longer, or I could go skiing more, etc., etc. There were all kinds of seemingly plausible excuses because I just was afraid. I just did didn't want to pull the trigger. And when I told this dilemma to my parents, they were like, there is no dilemma here. That's what you wanted to do, and it's the perfect way to do it, so do it. This is its own problem, me going to my parents for permission to do things, but it showed me that they were right. And so I signed up. And right away, I felt sick. I felt scared. I was like, what have I done? Not only that, But I am going to be traveling a lot this year, and I'm trying to travel as light as possible. So I was doing a lot of thinking about how I was going to prepare to go from volunteering to then a silent meditation retreat. And then I'm going to a training program in L.A., and I'm trying to pack in such a way that I can accommodate all of these different places, all of these different weather temperatures, all of these different plans. And when I got the preparation kit for this volunteering opportunity, they laid this bombshell on me, which was probably there in the fine print all along, but I hadn't noticed, that I had to bring my own bed. (laughs) I mean, they had beds, but I had to bring a mattress and my own sleeping bag or sheets and my own pillow. This was not something I had anticipated. I know this probably sounds totally petty, but I literally almost dropped out of the volunteering opportunity because I didn't know how I was going to bring a pillow. It wouldn't have been such a big deal if I was just flying from my home to Oaxaca to volunteer for a week and then back. You know, then I could just take... What I needed and bring it back. But the truth is I have no home and I'm trying to carry basically everything I own around with me and I don't have any room to take a sleeping bag, a mattress, a pillow, not to mention the work gloves, work clothes, protective eyewear, etc. that this volunteering thing required. And this is where the shame fears really came in. Because I had already signed up, I had already filled out a waiver, and it said very clearly, if you drop out after filling out this waiver, we will not be able to refill your position, so you are essentially leaving us high and dry. So I was feeling shame that I wasn't sure if I was actually going to be able to go there. I I couldn't just go and have no bedding and just sleep on a wooden plank. But if I dropped out now it would not only mean that I'm not volunteering, but I'm actually like minus volunteering. I'm actually taking away. I'm actually stopping someone else from volunteering. So I'm I'm not just not helping. I'm actually making things worse. So I came up with an elaborate plan wherein I would take an extra bag with me and I would leave one bag in a locker at the airport in Mexico City. I don't need to bore you with the details, but suffice to say... Through some clever changes in plans, I was able to bring an old sleeping bag, a mattress, and it just so happened that I was able to buy a small travel pillow along the way. So it all worked out. But that meant I actually had to go. The other thing I noticed leading up to this adventure with volunteering was that fear really gets worse as it gets compounded. I mean, that probably makes perfect sense. But when you're feeling general fear about an upcoming adventure, an unknown, any little stressor that you add on top becomes magnified and it really only takes like one big fear plus two or three minor stressors to kind of break you and you just sort of declare fear bankruptcy you're like this is too scary this is too stressful even though in isolation I could probably solve all of these problems when you put them all together that emotion and intensity feeds off of each other and it feels insurmountable So I was full of fear. But then I was like, fear is uncomfortable. And I have a podcast all about how much I love being uncomfortable. So actually, this is a rare and exciting opportunity for me to explore an emotion that honestly, I don't encounter that often. There's there's not that many situations on a day-to-day basis where I feel like I encounter as much fear as this volunteering thing was bringing up. I started telling everyone how afraid I was, and people were like, you're, you're joking, right? And I was like, no, I'm not joking. My mother actually sent me a quote from Buddhist master Choyam Trungpa. He says, going beyond fear begins when we examine our fear our anxiety, nervousness, concern, and restlessness, if we look into fear, if we look beneath the veneer, the first thing we find is sadness, beneath the nervousness. Nervousness is cranking up, vibrating all the time. When we slow down, when we relax with our fear, we find sadness, which is calm and gentle. You might think that when you experience fearlessness, you will hear the opening to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony or see a great explosion in the sky, but it doesn't happen that way. Discovering fearlessness comes from working with the softness of the human heart. I think that he's right. As I thought about my fear and sat with it and just sort of felt it, beneath it, there really did seem to be sadness welling up inside of me. It's almost like fear is sadness in fast forward. It sort of just like speeds up the sadness into this frenzy, this this shaking. But if you slow down and sit with it, beneath that, it really is sadness. Potentially just sadness around the fact that you're no longer feeling content or as content at least as you were before fear hit and it was more than just sadness though i think there are kind of three components to fear one is a negative perception of events fear is the assumption that something bad is happening or something bad could happen very likely if you think that going volunteering is going to be amazing you're not going to be afraid it's the assumption that something bad could well happen that you don't know what you're getting into and A kind of negative bias, as I talked about in the episode where I was eating dinner and I couldn't see, and I just naturally assumed that the restaurant must be dirty. It was a similar kind of negative bias. Without knowing what this experience was like, I just naturally assumed it would be negative, and I was therefore afraid of the consequences of that presumed negativity. And what's interesting is that after I came out of that blind eating experience, discovering that I actually had a good time and I learned a lot and the food was good, I actually said in that podcast about sensory deprivation that I was going to try to go into the world and try new things with a greater sense of trust. And here I was going into the world to do exactly that, but I clearly hadn't found that sense of trust. In fact, it didn't even occur to me that I should trust. It just right away felt like, oh, well, this is unknown. I'm probably going to be bad at it. I'm probably going to be murdered. I'm afraid. So the first component of fear is this negativity bias, this assumption that something bad is happening. I mean, sometimes, you know, there is a snake on the beach and you scream like a little kid because, well, I mean, once again, that is an assumption. Though there clearly is something that might bite me, that doesn't mean that it's fatal. I don't know what kind of snake it is. So once again, I am assuming that this terrifyingly large snake on the beach is a negative thing. I got to trust those snakes more. The second component of fear, I think, is our instinctual flight reflex. I think when we initially interpret a scenario as negative, we actually have a couple of reactions. We can fight against it, or we can fly away, or we can give in, we can surrender. What's interesting is that the same reactions happen in shame. The three most common reactions to shame are fight, which is to say, try to shame someone back, get angry, attack. Or flight, literally just try to run away from the situation. Or surrender, which is in the shame scenario, a kind of people-pleasing. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're so right. I'm such an idiot. Just like really putting yourself down and groveling to try to appease other people so that the shame will go away. So once again, we see how fear just for survival and fear, the social fear of shame, really are intertwined. So something negative happens, and either your fight or flight reflex kicks in. I think if your fight reflex kicks in, that becomes the emotion anger. Negative interpretation of events, fight response, equals anger. On the other hand, negative interpretation of events, flight response, that equals fear. Both of these reactions, stemming from negativity, fight and flight, I think are underpinned by sadness. I've heard it said many times, I don't know where this originates, that anger is a secondary emotion, and that what it really means is that you're angry about the real emotion you're feeling, which is usually something like sadness or grief or shame or pain. No matter which negative emotion we feel, I think there's always a component of sadness because we're sad or grieving the fact that we are no longer at the state of happiness or contentment or even just getting by that we were at before this negative emotion struck. I think at a most basic level it doesn't take much to get sad. It could actually be as simple as you get happy because you just ate a candy and you're full of sugar and then someone bumps into you and that state of happiness gets completely distracted And now you're sad. You're sad that that feeling that you just had is gone. You're sad that you're no longer in that elevated state. You're you're essentially grieving for a positive. That's why I think it's so important to always remember that our emotions are temporary. I mostly think it's helpful to remember that negative emotions are temporary so that we know that they will pass. This negative, shitty moment is just a temporary feeling. This feeling of worthlessness is going to pass. This feeling of incompetence is going to pass. This feeling that I'm not attractive is going to pass. I'm constantly reminding myself that feelings that I think are infinite, that are going to last forever, or feelings that I think, oh, deep down inside, that's secretly what I think and what I always think. I remind myself, no, that's just a negative, passing, temporary feeling. But it's also important to remember that our happy feelings are temporary as well, so that we don't feel bad when they inevitably pass. I'm having a great moment. I'm going to savor this as much as I can, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to wake up every day from now on expecting to feel exactly that same way. And when I do wake up feeling more neutral, I'm going to try to avoid the grief of saying, ah, but yesterday I felt like I had it all figured out. So to me, fear boils down to a negative interpretation of events coupled with a flight reflex and sadness. It's those three things. And keeping that in mind makes it a lot easier for me to deal with fear. Because one, I can start by looking at this negative interpretation. Why do I think something bad is going to happen as I'm heading to this volunteering thing? Why do I assume I'm going to be incompetent at it? I don't know. I can't predict the future. I may well be incompetent, but it's just as likely that I won't be incompetent. Those are both totally equal potential assessments of the future. And when I'm given two totally equal possible assessments of the future, or even of the present, if I'm given two totally equal interpretations, one being negative and one being positive, I'm always going to choose the positive if I can. Because logically, it just doesn't make any sense to choose the one that is going to decrease my well-being, given that it is just as likely as the positive interpretation that is going to improve my well-being. Even if the negative one turns out to be right, I will have been happier leading up to it. I still will probably have a net gain of well-being. So not only can you question the logic of this negative assumption and perhaps see that the positive side is just as likely or plausible, but you can also look at it as the flight reflex that it is. When it's the kind of fear where there literally is a scary looking snake on the beach and you scream like a child, I really do think you should embrace flight in that moment. You should just get the hell out of there and figure out if that snake is or is not venomous later. But when it's a slow-motion scenario, like going to volunteer for a week, you actually have a lot of time to think. And you might not interpret your fear as a flight reflex. But really, that's what it is. My brain is finding all these excuses for why I cannot go, which is essentially another way of saying, scream like a child and get the hell out of here. If you go on that volunteering trip, you're going to feel shame, you're going to look bad, or you might even get murdered. So when you conceptualize that fear as a flight reflex, you realize that your brain is actually working against you. All of the thoughts that are popping up are not actually trying to solve the problem of how am I going to take a bed to Mexico? Your brain is working overtime to find excuses for why you shouldn't go at all. So when I recognized that that was actually a slow-motion flight reflex, I was able to disregard what my brain was saying and say, you know what, I could put this energy into solving the problem of taking a bed to Mexico rather than thinking of all the reasons why I shouldn't go. And finally, as Chongyum says, noticing that beneath the fear, there's really sadness it shows that the way to deal with fear is not really about the sort of machismo and bombastic energy of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony or something like that, or some kind of Rambo vibe. It actually is about sadness. It's about tenderness. It's about dealing with hurt and loss and something a lot more sensitive and intimate. And you can deal with sadness just by feeling it, just by being mindful of it. I'm feeling sad, and that's okay. Why? Probably because a minute ago, I was feeling better, and then I got accepted into this volunteering thing, and that feeling of contentment and safety evaporated, and so I'm a bit sad about that. No big deal. That's okay. I find that when I acknowledge and accept a feeling of sadness, especially if I can pinpoint where it's coming from, It usually is like, cool, thanks AJ, you heard what I was saying, I'm out, peace. And I'm like, bye Sadness, thanks for coming, good to see you. And Sadness is like, no worries, you'll see me again. And I'm like, cool. So I had a lovely few days dealing with the fear of something which admittedly is quite a first world problem, but that doesn't really matter, it doesn't really matter what I was afraid of. It just matters that I was afraid. That's a human experience that we all feel for different reasons, and you might be afraid of very different things, but it all comes down, I think, to those same three components. That negative interpretation of events, a flight reflex, even if it's in slow motion, and good old sadness. So I went volunteering. And it wasn't scary at all, and nothing terrible happened, and it was an amazing experience, and I'm definitely going to do it again. And the truth is, my fear evaporated as soon as I got on the plane. Which goes to show that so much of fear in a situation like this, a slow motion fear, is the amount of time that you give yourself to think of all the negative possibilities, the amount of time you give your brain to come up with all these flight excuses, and the amount of time you spend avoiding the sadness that's actually underneath. As soon as I started the process of actually going to volunteer, I had so many other things to do, getting on the plane, getting to the bus, getting a taxi, all that kind of stuff, that I just didn't have time to speculate about fear anymore. That being said, I'm super happy that I got that opportunity to explore fear and I want to get more fear in my life, which makes me realize that I really do have to think of things that I can do that I've never done. And not only that, I need to add up various things that make me uncomfortable and do them all at once because it's that compounding of fear that really gets to you. So think of this as getting discomfortable with fear part one.